0: I actually did, I thought it'd be nice to uh, start this podcast off with like, you know, a, a, like a, a a good quote, so like, just change a pace. Why, uh, you don't
1: think we can laugh in therapy? There's no laughing? No, we could, we
0: absolutely can, and <laughs> don't get me wrong, we are gonna, I am gonna say dumb stuff very quickly. <laughs> I love, uh, I love a
1: good quote, Syed, hit me with it.
0: Uh, It was, uh, Carl Jung, who said uh, the separation of psychology from the premises of biology is purely artificial because the human psyche lives in union with the body. So I feel like that's an apt quote to sort of start us off today um, as we have our guest Casey come talk to us about sort of The theme for the past couple podcasts have been mental health and how a lot of people don't, as much as they put a lot of effort in their physical health, don't put a lot of effort in their mental health, even though it's super important. And what we've learned and what we've seen on social media is that a huge part of, you know, maintaining your mental health is exercise. So uh, Casey, why don't you uh, give us a little introduction to, you know, who you are and, you know, what your background is.
1: Thank you, Sayed. Um, geez, where do I begin? Um, I'll just start with my credentials and backtrack a little bit from there. My name is Casey Lansing. I'm a licensed professional counselor. Um, and basically that means I have a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling that I got from Fairfield University after a bachelor's degree at Sacred Heart University. Um, my focus and my studies was uh, counseling athletes. Um, So whenever possible, I try to get those fun clients in my, in my office, when I'm in my office or on video, whatever we're doing at the time. Um, My background on my undergrad was political science and English, completely unrelated. (laughs) Um, And aside from that, grew up playing sports, uh, was an athlete for Naugatuck High School, played some sports for Sacred Heart intramurals and have just kind of continued on, you know, Casually playing volleyball, and I used to teach Zumba for a little while, and so trying to always stay active when I can. Met Ryan in college at Sacred Heart, and luckily I've maintained a good friendship, which has allowed me to collaborate with all you guys from time to time.
0: Awesome. Um, I think uh, the uh, best way to sort of sort of get started is. Um, Having been an athlete, uh, what are some of your sort of uh, initial thoughts and as to why you'd want, as why you sort of started being a uh, counselor for other athletes? Is it sort of just because of your background, or is there something in particular with athletes that you found fascinating?
1: Well, um, my personal story is that uh, my junior year of high school, Started to experience some pain in my shoulder um, that I ignored. <laughs> uh, you know, because I figured if I went to the doctor, they would tell me that I can't play sports anymore. And I was playing volleyball and softball, hoping to um, be recruited to play softball in college. Powered through the injury, which was uh, not smart, but you know, you know how the athlete brain works no pain, no gain, right? So, um, I was recruited for one college. I wound up walking onto the Sacred Heart team um, my freshman year, and I didn't even last a month before my shoulder just—I I couldn't even brush my hair without excruciating pain. So um, I had to leave the team, which was uh, a very difficult decision for me because I was always, cons- you know, considered the softball player, um, and that was pretty much how I identified myself. Um, and so it was kind of a an identity crisis if you will at the age of 19. Um, and but I, you know hindsight's 2020 I was able to participate in so many other activities, clubs, intramural sports. I started a, a dance team with some friends, you know different things that I never would have had the opportunity to do had I been playing a division one sport. So I was kind of being grateful for that. But then as I left my undergrad and try, started exploring my master's degree, Um, I figured I mustn't be the only person that's had that experience and so um, I, I had gone to a counselor during that time that helped me through my process and I wanted to be able to help others through that process and also you know gain a little bit more understanding about you know, the brain of an athlete and, you know, how do, does every athlete identify as an athlete or is it just me? Uh, and it certainly wasn't just me. Um, and so really that experience, my injury, I wound up getting surgery a couple years later after I quit the team. Um, but that experience really guided me to my, you know, specializing in counseling athletes. And um, and that's how I landed where I am.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I had a similar situation to you obviously like you know at school i'd i'd hurt myself in high school but i was able to get through it um was playing at cigar for baseball and was fine for a little while until you know i just couldn't pick up a pencil anymore because my arm was so numb all the time um the thing was you you probably did the good things about it i didn't i just sulked and didn't like it and uh you know i had surgery uh sophomore year of college came back junior year i like was pretty much ready to play. I wasn't back 100%. But uh, by that point, junior year that they basically didn't need another pitcher anymore. So they were like, okay, time to move on. And I didn't move on that well. So I didn't go near a baseball field or near a weight room for like three years. Because no. um, I had no interest it was just like, well, because like we used said, like, I identified as a baseball player as a pitcher. And if I didn't have that, I really didn't know what to do. Like even in the weight room, I lifted weights for baseball. I didn't lift like how we do for powerlifting now, or just for exercise and health, I, I lifted to be a better baseball player. So without baseball, I was like, well, I'm not doing this. Um, and I didn't go near any, like I didn't watch baseball, didn't play um, until a few years after when I was like, okay, maybe, you know, there was a coaching position open. And I took that and that's kind of how I got back into things. But um, yeah, I mean, you, I, you took the better route after not being able to play than I did. And I think, like this is kind of interesting because a lot of athletes they do they go one of two ways they either turn into something good like okay I can't do this thing anymore that I've been doing my whole life so I can do all these other things or me fuck this I'm done I'm not doing this um and so and powerlifting like said and I've talked about this a lot like it's a weird sport because it's like a super individual sport so you really a lot of people really think of themselves as a power lifter and if they can't hit their numbers or you know if they're hurt or whatever, like they don't know what to do with it. Where with the with team sports, at least there's a little bit more around you. Right. Um but for powerlifting it's it is weird because like it's it's this hobby that becomes more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's pretty much the reason why we wanted to have you on to talk about stuff was because like it's such a hard thing for people to separate that this is a hobby and it's something that they're doing even if they're very good at it. Um, and they're doing it for lots of reasons, but like, it becomes too much. Um, so this is actually like an interesting time because like after being, you know, the gym was shut down for, I don't know, three and a half, four months. So a lot of people didn't work out at all for four months because they didn't, they didn't have what they normally do. So instead of doing something different, they kind of just did nothing. Um, and now that we're back in the gym, People's numbers aren't the same. They don't feel the same, and not everyone's handling it as well as everyone else. You know, some people are okay, and some people were able to train over the break, and they they're fine. They're right where they were, and some people are like, okay, no big deal. I'll get back to where I was, and some people are not doing well, and you know, that's that the mental health stuff that I think gets ignored a lot, and um, it's almost like a it's not even thought of it just like it's, it's not it's not even a part of the training even though a lot of it would play in for a lot in, in lots of different ways um so
1: right and i wonder um if the folks that weren't able to do some of the training at home are coming back now and feeling like frustrated because they're comparing themselves to the people that did maintain a little bit more of a program
2: yeah. So some, I mean, some people like that had some time off, actually, they, they realized the time off was really nice and they feel better. And like, they said, okay, maybe this is a good thing. And what I've been saying to people is now that we saw that three and a half months, four months, whatever it was, didn't like ruin us. Mm -hmm. Maybe we need to take a little bit more of a break every year and do some other things and just relax a little bit. But yeah, the people that were, were off for that time that really didn't lift weights are comparing themselves to their former self. which they will get back there. Like, you know, I said, like our, my goal for everyone that didn't lift was to get to 90% of your best by the end of the week, 12 of training for most people, they're just finishing up week 12 right now. And everyone surpassed the goal that I set for them every single person. And still most of them are not happy
1: Mm -hmm. because
2: it's because they're not where they were before. So even though they're not at a hundred percent, even though they're most of them are 92 to 96% after taking four months off, that's, that's great, but they're comparing themselves to, to their former self. So they're not happy there. And they're also comparing themselves to people that maybe had a home gym and didn't stop training the entire time. So now they're they're either at a hundred percent or even some of them are 103%. They've gotten better and they're like, well, why aren't I there? Well, like, you know, you, you took four months off. Right. Um wrap their head around
1: that. Right. And that break, I'm sure for some people with injuries. Might not have been the worst thing in the world. Right.
2: <laughs> no, it's actually like I said, it's it's probably maybe not four months. Four months is a long time. But like after after having it off and seeing how people have responded with it and people getting back above 90% already, I don't think it's as bad as what we thought it was. And like I said, going forward next year, we're like, okay, maybe we can take two weeks here, two weeks there, do some other stuff and not have to worry about it and mm-hmm. relax both mentally and physically. And they'll come back and they'll be fine um but it like i said physically we are fine right now um the people that had injuries probably feel better the ones that didn't have injuries they i think they feel great um but yeah it's that mental side of well why aren't i where i was or why is that person so far ahead of me you know and
1: i think this ties into just the idea of rest days, right? I know you post a lot on your Instagram encouraging the rest days because your body needs it, but also so does your your brain. And I think that what's difficult for a lot of people is to feel as though resting is productive. Because mm-hmm. it's like, well, if I'm not doing something, I'm not going to get better. If I'm not, I should be, even if it's not related to exercise, I should be doing the laundry, washing the dishes, whatever it may be, can't sit still, because there's things I should be doing, right? And even that word in and of itself should is just so... Uh, paralyzing sometimes for people um but the idea that rest is productive i think is just a reframe that a lot of people could benefit from because not only do you just need to give your muscles the recovery day but also your your brain your you know, your soul basically just time to recover from everything that we've been going through especially this year
2: yeah because i mean there's always more stuff we can do there's all like always more like you said like you know even if it's just like laundry there's always something and lifting wise there's always something that like i'd want to add into the program but we can't just add forever because we'll just be at the gym forever yeah so you know like we've got a few people that that have asked me oh i want to train seven days a week and i refuse to write a seven day a week program you know we we do have a few six day a week programs and people that are listening to this that know that like there's only a couple of you um but i refuse to write seven Uh, because you need, you need that one day off at least and really like more is probably even better. Um, and some people do, uh, train more days than others just because they want to get the health in. they want to, you know, maybe it's a 30 minute workout here, or maybe it's yoga or something different, but
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you, yeah, just just being able to do nothing is not a bad thing. Um, but it's hard. Powerlifting is such a, like I said, like, you know, you're not coming from like a team background. It's a little bit different, but powerlifting is you're out there by yourself. It's super easy to compare yourself to yourself because if you lift five more pounds then you know you got stronger, but if you lifted five less, you didn't necessarily get weaker. You might just not have had it that day. Maybe it's an off day or whatever it is, or the one that's probably worse and this is because of like a lot with social media you can look and say oh that person's in my weight class they're the same age as me whatever blah 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 why are they lifting more than me where in team sports like okay maybe you throw harder than me but if we won i don't really care like it doesn't matter but in, in powerlifting, it's it's very cut and dry so like you know exactly where you are at all times and you can compare yourself to everyone Um and it's so easy to see because everyone online just posts all their best moments they never show like yeah. You know, like just the working that they're doing to get better or the one or the lifts that don't go well the days that don't go well they just post the great moments and everyone's like man like that person's doing so well that person's a fucking liar like you, you know we're all doing the same thing we're all like fighting through and but it's hard to when you see that all the time and you're you're in it it's hard to take that step back and just take a breath
0: um i think a good uh, Sorry, uh
1: i was just gonna say you took the words out of my mouth that you know people aren't posting the struggle you know they're in all the misses um on the way to that hit right and so once they hit that lift um that's when they put yeah but remember nobody gets that the first try just doesn't work that way go ahead sorry no it's fine
0: uh i just uh wanted to pose a i don't i think it's an interesting question it might not be um But we we alluded to this idea of um, using powerlifting as an identity. And uh, I I think the question I'd want to ask is, at what point is that identity sort of counterproductive? Because at the end of the day, like just I think through existence, we all sort of want to know who we are as people. Mm -hmm. And we tend to sort of lean on things that we sort of do often. Um, and powerlifting and exercising in general are things that are very productive and generally, but, um, can, or at what point is relying on that powerlifting identity too much?
1: I think that's a really good question. And I, I think that my view on this would be if you could not imagine living happily without it, then that's where it becomes unhealthy. If you don't have other hobbies or support people or things that you can go to, lean on, fill your time with, in the place of that, God forbid, you don't have access or are injured, then that's when we need to reevaluate the identity piece. Um, Because yes, it can be a primary part of your life. It can be the biggest part. That's fine. But unless there are other things to supplement that, to make you a well-rounded, healthy person, that's when we want to be checking
2: in with ourselves it's, and, and, and like one of the questions that we talked about before is like it's like you said it, it it is a hobby that it does become a big part of everyone's life and it's you know making that hobby into a competition so again like it's we've talked about this before on the podcast it's not like you know professional baseball basketball football where you're getting paid a lot of money like even when you're really good at this you probably don't make anything really i mean and if you do it's not much so it's really it is just it's a hobby you know and it's a it's a form of exercise to keep you healthy but like once it starts to become competition and like i make the joke all the time that sports are great for you but competitive sports are terrible for you like and you and i just said like competitive sports you're going to push yourself harder and you're going to not listen to those little injuries and all of a sudden you're being way more hurt and then what do you do um you know i love when people are like hey you know my knees has been bothering me i'm like how long "Mm, like two months all right cool if you told me two months ago maybe we could have done something about it but now we have to like really pull back and it's like you said it's that idea of no pain no gain so i'm going to push through it and it's so much their identity that if they if they take a step back and don't do it what are they and covid made it weird because we were forced to like there was no option you just well, we're not piloting for at least four months because it's everything shut down and i think it was just it was hard to handle for a lot of people because it just you know it wasn't a choice it was just like oh this is forced upon you and i think it's you know it it goes back to your story and my story like you quitting softball was forced upon you me quitting baseball was forced upon me but like what route do you take mm-hmm. And this is probably a good conversation because like I said, I took the wrong path. So now I'm trying to teach people to not do that. So you know, that makes it fun.
1: Well but, uh, I mean, I don't want to get too clinical on you, but I just want to toss out the concept that there's no right or wrong. You just make a decision and then you figure it out. You made that decision, you had to figure it out. And the path just was a little different than you thought it would be. And I think too with COVID, oddly it may have forced some people to sit and realize that they could be okay without it. It was uncomfortable, but they might've thought they wouldn't survive without it and they did. And so that's a pretty cool thing too.
2: That's true. You're right. Cause like I said, a little, you know, a lot, some people were able to continue on, but a lot of people had to stop and they had to stop cold. It was really like one day the gym was open the next day we were closed. So there was no choice there. Um, And some people went from having, you know, full access to a gym to having like, a red band or a bicycle. and That was it. That's figured yeah.
1: like out. Right, and the hardest part about that, again, is similar to injury. I mean, it's out of your control, right? We didn't have a choice with COVID, and that makes it difficult for people to accept and be able to work through as easily if it was a choice to stop. Yeah. Um, I have
0: no, it's fine. I, yeah, you can go. I'm trying to internalize things to come up with a I mean question. I could
1: go I could go on a little more about so self-identity, but you, here's the thing.
0: What the what the, well, the fun thing about this particular podcast is that like when Casey you're telling, you know, reflecting on certain aspects, it's hard not to be like, Am I falling into these? Like <laughs> am, am I a reflection of the bad things that are going wrong? Um, so I mean it, it's just sort of uh everyone has like to take a step back and I need to remind myself everyone has sort of glimpses of uh bad habits here and there um it's just that like you said when those habits and the, that uh gets to a point where you can't do without it or yeah you you exist around that specific bad habit that it becomes an issue so uh yeah that's just I was just internalizing things like okay make sure just checking in with myself
1: (laughs) that was good to reflect um but I think too I want to point out I mean I know the culture of your gym Ryan and so I know that it's not just where people get trained to powerlift it's a community and most people that's their social socialization too right and so yes it's individual but you're a team and so I know a big part of the struggle during COVID especially was people losing the social aspect in life in general, but specifically at the gym for a lot of people, that's where they their friends are. Um, and so it may be that, okay, if you really hyper-focus on this sport and it is a lot of your identity, can you include, incorporate other parts into that? So have you made friends there? Can you hang out with them outside of the gym and learn about them otherwise? And maybe it starts to expand the, um, the comfort zone there to, be including more of a social piece that isn't just about the powerlifting. now you're starting to make new friends and learning about other people and then learning things about them that may open your eyes to other options for you
2: i feel like that's a good it's a good idea try to use people because like well i mean at the gym like you know people are seeing each other all the time and you're right like some people have gained friendships from it and they hang out outside of the gym too which is great and maybe some people just haven't thought of that as an option like you know like you have work friends and you have like you like well these are your gym friends but why can't they be just actual friends and i do stuff so i actually i think that's that's a good way to put it i like that um go ahead
0: i was just saying if there's a there's merit in um the idea that you're hanging out with individuals that share uh the same goal yeah. um and i feel like that's sort of what uh that the team atmosphere brings like you have your uh work friends and I can only attest to uh, work environments I live to and though we all have the same goal of like this capitalist struggle to get the business more money um there are different aspects of that like there are people who are in marketing versus people who are in like data entry and data collecting so you're not as connected with them but if we're all powerlifting at the same gym, all trying to get our squat bench dead higher, and all compete. There's something like inherently like we we relate to that because we're doing it ourselves, and that sort of builds on this idea that we have very close gym friends. Um, I think a lot of, uh, at least th- through my experiences, I've made friends beyond the gym by first meeting them at the gym and um I guess that that idea of shared struggle is you know very you know uh it's cool and I mean struggle's not cool but the idea of it of sharing that is cool and I think that's something that we are unique in you know while most people at uh, who are in powerlifting are probably working out at yeah, powerlifting gyms, but in a much more commercial sense, you're a privately owned gym. And we see, like you said, all these people all the time, um, you know, the relationships are built in a much more tangible way.
1: Yeah. And I think that it goes along with the concept of group therapy, really it's that whole, you know, people experiencing a similar, um, Will experience they're processing those emotions related to similar experiences in a space where it's a trance, we call it a transfer of learning, right? And so you're with your friends or whatever, you're at the gym, and while Ryan is the coach, maybe you can help each other. Whether it may not be about technique, but it could just be emotional support,
2: or we're so emotionally stunted that I do that too. <laughs> Which happens sometimes. Yes. Um, lower. <laughs> well So, like, I'll I'll take it a little bit of a different route. So, like, power powerlifting seems to be a sport. Like I said, because it's an individual sport and it's so numbers based. Yeah, it definitely feels like a sport that allows people who are overthinkers to like kind of thrive and enjoy this sport. So they, you know, they're thinking about where where they need to be technically and like and they need to be perfect and really at the end of the day like you need to be good enough perfect technique is not going to make you that much better than good enough technique um and they're worried about numbers and they're and they're focusing on on all this little stuff and it like i said really like that person who loves to overthink things and i do the same thing um, really seems to do well in the sport because they're just drawn to it Um, and we have several people at the gym that I, you know, would be when I say several, probably almost all that would be like a, a, a good thing to actually go see someone like you, Casey, to kind of go over some of these things, because talking to me about it, like I can help a little bit, but I'm also their coach for it. So, like, I'm overthinking for them what they need to do to get better at it. They're overthinking what they need to do. They need to somehow step away. And, uh, you know, I and I know you had come and done the seminar at the gym, which we probably need to do more of. And I know some people have come to see you and again, we need to see more, Um, but it's, it's finding, you know, working around like so many different things to make sure that they're like I said, with the identity that this is not their only thing or that they're, um, they're not getting burnt out on it. Um, That was one of the questions I know we talked about a little bit was like, because I think the break actually helped a lot of people because they were so into this so much and it became so much of their being that they were they weren't enjoying it. It was more like, you know, this starts off as exercise and like, which is good for you mentally and physically. And then it becomes like, okay, now it's this hobby that I enjoy popping and going heavy and then it becomes competition. And then it becomes, I don't want to do this anymore. It's not as fun because you're burnt out on it because it's only what you're doing. Um, And that's when we've talked about with a lot of people, like the way I, I try to coach in a way that people won't get burnt out physically, at least, but mentally that, you know, that's always going to be there. Um, And, you know, like any thoughts on like what we can do to keep people from just losing their shit and quitting because it's a very repetitive sport, you know, like it's squat, bench and deadlift. It's the same thing over and over. So that's why I said I try to keep the, the training a little bit different, which is not the norm in coaching these days. But like when you see someone who's like just squatting, bench and deadlifting over and over and over like that's boring, you know, it's thinking like if I were to go do throw bullpens all the time and not actually play a game, I would lose my mind. Like you need something and, you know, I can give the physical aspect and, but any, any help on that? And
1: yeah, I think, you know, know, the variation, right. Is what we're talking about. And, um, and I think that's, I don't want to assume but i'm guessing right that's part of why you encourage the rest days and different activities on rest days such as yoga and or whatever but it may be helpful for other people to i know some people also have memberships at traditional gyms too and sometimes mix things up but it, it might be helpful for people to you know take that break and maybe they go do a zumba class or a yoga class or whatever and try something else if they don't want to take a complete break from exercise Maybe they just have to do something totally different for a week or so, and then get back into it so they can reset. Um, And, you know, I think too, um, well, I don't know if you want me to touch on the, this general, um, the hobby turning competition point or which way you want me to go?
2: Go wherever you want to go.
1: I think that the competition part can be very helpful for a lot of folks because it gives them something to work towards. Um, Folks that like really need a goal and something to work towards if they feel like what's the point. Um, And so again, I think that can be healthy healthy for a lot of people, Um, but when they get in that frustrated area where they're not seeing the improvement or they're not lifting heavier than they wanted to by X number, whatever date, um, I think that's when we have to kind of start to retrain the brain Um, and those overthinkers are usually very hard on themselves, right? And so when we reflect back on our no pain, no gain theory, that's true with a physical sport, right? You're not gonna get stronger without some pain. It's just literally part of the deal, but that doesn't work for mental health. No pain, no gain is not how it works for mental health, except we beat ourselves up when we don't do what we want, right? And so being able to separate the two that you're gonna train your brain differently than you train your body, yet your whole life you've been told no pain, no gain. Well, what do I do with that? How do I break that pattern? And the goal is to be kind to yourself, right? And we hear these terms, you know, positive psychology, positive self-talk, but it is so important. And so when someone's stuck in a rut and they're beating themselves up over whatever lift or an injury or whatever it may be, they're usually focused on, I don't wanna do this again. I don't wanna, I can't do that. These are things I can't do. I can't do this, blah, 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 blah. When they really need to shift to, okay, if this is my goal, what should I do? What are the things that are healthy? to How do I reach that? Not, what do I not do to get there? What do I do do to get there? Um, and with the mental health, it's really about talking positively to yourself and reinforcing that, you know, regardless, of if you hit the number or not today you've done something healthy and it's still good for you and eventually you'll get there but the self-talk has to be completely different than the way we treat ourselves in terms of our bodies but it's really it's it takes practice because it's not what we're taught
2: yeah like i said that that's a tough one because when you're a beginner in the sport you get better so fast that like, once you hit that, like that middle tier where you've been doing it for a little while, maybe a year or two, and you've gotten a lot better, but now it's kind of that time where everything slows down. Like it takes the body a while to keep getting stronger. Like you don't, you just don't add five pounds to every workout. Otherwise everyone would be monsters. Um, and I said like, it's like that period where like you embrace the suck. Like it's that period where like you might get a little worse for a little while. Um, or you're just, you're kind of just at a plateau and you don't get better. And you're just, you're fighting through and you're, And I said, as a coach, what I'm doing is I'm learning what doesn't work for you. So then I can start peeling pieces back and and use what, what works better for you. And then once we find that stuff, generally you see a big improvement again. The problem is we have to get through that plateau period, that suck period. And I think physically, I don't think it affects anyone. Like most people, like even, even if they're, they've got like maybe some small injuries or even a bigger injury, we can work around that enough that they can keep training and Physically they're fine, but it's that point where, yeah, they're not getting better and they're, you know, and because like we have, you know, maybe two to three competitions a year, you're like, okay, on this day I need to be able to do this weight. I need to be able, you know, and if you don't get it, it's such a mental block that instead of being able to move forward and, and do well, you end up being so negative about it that now it affects the training, because if you're thinking like you just said, like, Oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. Well, we talk about like with um, RPE is relative perceived exertion, like how hard do you feel a lift is? Well, when you're in a shitty mindset, it feels harder. So then you're like, oh, that was hard. I can't go up and like, really I'm like, no, you can, you can, but it's getting past that, that negative spot. Like, oh, I can do this. I can do other things. I can focus on other things, bring up other issues and work on that instead of just exactly what it is. Um, And that, and that's tough. Um, especially, like I said, if you have a meet where not everything goes exactly how you planned, and like some of these, we plan for, you know, 24, 25 weeks to get what we want on that one day, and that's the problem. It's one day. It's not like baseball or softball where you've got four or five games a week. It's one shot in like a six-month period, and if you screw up, it just crushes people. Where it should just be like, okay, well, we learned some stuff, and we're gonna we're gonna do something different next time, but. Now they get to think about that one movement that went wrong or that one moment for months.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's, and like, like I, said, I talk, like I, I don't know how, if you even know the story, like with Bucks, like Bucks missed a deadlift years ago in a meet. I think it was like five, it was like 550, maybe. It wasn't anything. He should have had it and he missed it. And then, like, six months later at the next meet, he's like, I'm pulling that. And I was like, why? You can pull way more than that. And he just had to get that, rid of that number. And like he did it and it was like so easy. I'm like, dude, we should have gone up like another 25 pounds, but he just needed to get rid of that number because he thought about it for like six months, um, which is good and bad because he did, he got rid of it, but it's bad because he could have done so much more, <laughs> but he was so focused on that one number that he, that he, he couldn't even think about doing something else. And that's, and that's really tough.
1: And that kind of circles back to he that one left he let identify himself or he, he just got stuck there and he couldn't pass yeah. past failing that one lift until he he did it in that one try you know it's it's interesting because um you know you're talking about a lift you can do on a, a good day versus a bad day they're going to look different right and so one thing i talk about especially this year with covid but just in general with people that i work with is the concept that you know doing your best right but your best isn't going to look the same every day Right, and so on a day where you got a good night's sleep and you ate well and you drank a lot of water, like you're gonna feel good and you're gonna do better and you're gonna perform better at the gym. You're gonna do better at your job, whatever it may be. Um, But if you don't get a good night's sleep or you don't, you didn't like your breakfast, you missed breakfast, you got a, you know, a, a phone call from a friend that didn't go, you know, whatever it may be. These little things impact our mood and our ability to focus on a lift for sure. And so you're best on that day may not look the same. But I think it's important to sit and reflect. Did you do your best regardless, given the circumstances of that day. And I think that can be helpful when it comes to that self comparison and comparison amongst peers. Um, but it's just not what people are used to doing.
2: I think that's actually one of the things you said there was like, like the, the reflection on it was. So one of our lifters, um, Sophie does that where like at the end of a block, she kind of takes out her notebook and she writes down like her reflections from that block of like what went well, what didn't go well, what could she have done better, and it's not just lifting. It's you know it's lifting, nutrition, it's uh, recovery. She kind of does everything, and then she sends it to me. And I think that's actually a really good thing that she does. That probably would be a good one for everyone to do because they can look at it and say, oh, you know, like maybe I didn't focus on this enough over the last four months. Like you just you know like you know on like the recovery aspect.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, or maybe I didn't eat as well the last few months as I, you know, I had been doing, and I didn't perform the way I wanted to. Um, and then you can kind of see these patterns of like, okay, what do I need to do a little bit better? Now you've got a new thing to, to work on to make better instead of just focusing on I didn't do as well as I should have. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: so like I guess she's been doing that for probably. I mean, at least with me for the last several blocks that she's done, she sent it to me, and I think it's really good. I look at it and say, okay what, you know, from what she thinks, what can I take from that? And what can I adjust into the, into the program for, or, you know, what, what do I have no help on at all? Um, but maybe, you know, she can, it, it gives her a new focus, um, going into the next block. And I think that's a, that's a really good one to just sit back and reflect. And, but also she like, again, she does write the good things too. She doesn't just write the bad things. So she's like, Oh, this went really well. This went really well. So then we know, okay, well, this went well. So let's do this again. Um, and I think that's a really good thing because it lets her focus on both sides instead of just the negative
1: right and i think having that full picture and and maybe maybe she does this maybe add more to it is okay food whatever it may be the lift da da, da, da but what else about that day went well like if that was a good lifting day what else did you do that day outside of the gym mm-hmm. that also went well because that also impacts the lift, right and so that's where we're talking like the full picture of who you are versus just that moment as a power lifter in the gym, right? Because everything that happened outside also impacts that workout.
2: See, it's stuff like that, that I like, and I I know no one's going to do this, but it makes me think about like, I'd want to put on the program, like I started adding in like rate this workout and not everyone's gotten it yet. So if you're listening to this, like you might not have it yet to deal with it, um, but you will be. So rate the workout would just be like, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being like, holy shit, this was hard. And one being like, well, I, 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 this was easy. But maybe if we added to it like why was that you know you rated it this but why did you rate it this um i you know you said like what went well that day or what did what what didn't go well that day you know why did you you know if you gave it a 10 and you think it was that hard of a workout was it actually that hard of a workout like did i try to kill you that day or was there other
1: stuff going on
2: did you have a really bad day so it felt like a hard day um saying i'm gonna put that in your program and you have to write me a little synopsis at the end of every day
1: yeah and some people may even just for themselves want to do a rating before the workout how am I feeling before this workout yeah and then after
0: just a quickly
1: uh
0: side just throwing a wrench in uh the conversation um rating my workout might not be a great idea granted you can't see it on camera but my sweater says always struggling right so you know, I think I might not be the best person to practice uh, reflecting on just general what um, like. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think I think a good thing is, you know, um, like reflecting is not from my own personal experiences is not an easy thing to do. Um, like I, I'm assuming Soph has the ability to sort of reflect at the end of these cycles, because she's been doing it for so long, that she's able to tweeze out the good and the bad, and be able to sort of say, okay, this went well, this didn't go well, versus someone who's probably coming into it the first time, are going to focus on the things that pop out to them the most. And as I guess, just the society we live in, or the way we're brought up is, we tend to focus on the things that uh, sort of just went bad. And so, like Casey, I'm just going to throw this question out to you. Like, what are some steps we can do to sort of start reflecting on the good parts of what we're doing so that when it comes to reflecting later on, we have built up the habit of understanding, you know, where our ask or what aspects of our, you know, training or life has impacted us the most.
1: I think A really easy task to do start with is a gratitude journal um and you know people hear the word journal and they hear dear diary (laughs) um which is just not not at all true i mean it can be if you want it to be that's certainly one way (laughs) of journaling where it's just stream of conscious you know get everything out of your brain onto the paper which could be helpful for some people who loop in their head before they go to a workout that might be good for them But if we're just talking like quick and easy way to start kind of focusing on positive things, a gratitude journal is a great way to start. And so it doesn't have to be an actual journal. It could be a scrap of paper. I prefer handwriting, but if all you have is your phone and you want to type it in, you know, we'll take it. It's better than nothing. And you could just write a list. And it could be um, things that went well that day or just in general things that you're grateful for. Um, It could be one thing. It could be 10 things. It could be the same one thing every single day. And that's a fine, and that's okay. Um, but I think it's just a way to start refocusing your attention on positive things in your life. You could do separate journals. You could do one for life stuff, one for lifting stuff, um, and or combine the two. Kind of The way these kind of self-care strategies and techniques work is you figure out which ones work best for you. And so something that might work for you, Sayed, may not work for Ryan. Um, or you may have to tweak it. So just like training, right? It's the same concept that, uh, mental health techniques that may work for one of my clients don't work the same for another client because everybody's different. We have to figure out what works best and then get a handful of those to utilize for different reasons when you're going through different things. But I think a quick start is really like a gratitude journal.
2: Yeah, we do, um, we try to do it every day, but it depends on the day, but we try to do high, low, high with our five-year-old. Um, so Molly, you know, high low high might not always be. It could be just something as simple. She's like, we went outside for for recess, um, and then the low is like, we didn't go outside for recess. So you know, it's sometimes interesting. But like, we have her give like a high point of her day, a low point of her day, and then another high point. Um, and we try to take the low yeah. point, like you know, how can we make that not be a low point again? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times, I said the high points are like we had lunch. Like mm-hmm. okay, like you're gonna have lunch every day in kindergarten. Like that's not really a high point. That just is a point um but we try to do that with her and it makes her at least think about like what you know what went on that day and i know like when we first started it she was probably like three or four and that was interesting because like it was hard for her to even like process that stuff but i think that's hard for just anyone because like you know to actively think about a high and low point of the day you're like 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 you don't really want to go into that like like who wants to think about the low stuff but like if you can think about it and maybe get it get kind of get it out there then you can move on Mm -hmm. um like you said like even like with the like how do you feel before the workout that's another thing i added added, science that'll be out there soon too (laughs) is there's a there's a a pre-workout thing that says like how did you eat how did you sleep how did you drink
1: Yes, yes stressed are
2: you um how do you feel because like and it gives like a little score. Then the score says, like, go work out because you're fine and you should go work out. Or it says, go see Ryan because maybe you're a little too beat up or stressed or whatever it is. And we need to adjust your workout a little bit. Or it says, go the fuck home because <laughs> you're so sore and stressed and you didn't sleep. And like, you need a rest day, not a day in the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are a couple of things I like because, like, uh, you know, it's it makes me feel good that you're saying these things because, like, I've been trying to think of like, just getting people in the mindset for certain things. Cause people like you said, react so differently. Like for me, I know like for deadlift, like I like I really need to take my time and get myself in the right mindset and slow down. Where for squat, I'm like way more aggressive. Um, and I kind of want people to start thinking about how they are for the lifts or for the workout and actually focus on that a little bit more than just going through the motions. So like if you need to step up to the bar and take a deep breath and mentally walk yourself through the lift before you do it, do that. Don't just skip that. Like actually do it, treat it the way you want it to like on a meet day so that you're, you're getting in that same pattern and you're doing the good things that you need to do to to be better at it, it, instead of just, just going through the motions.
1: Yeah. I, I just want to go back to what you're having your daughter do. The fact that you have her end on the high, I think is really important because even if you're, journaling, just the junk in your head. I think it's always good to tack on something positive at the end, no matter what. Um, but actually I do want to point out that um even if she just finds lunch to be the high, that's okay because that's what, fine. We, what I encourage people to do is it's those day-to-day things that we just like do and don't think about that we lose sight of and they're important to give yourself credit for. So like eating that meal, you know, I made my bed. I, you know, even though these may seem like just part of the normal day-to-day routine, it's important to give ourselves credit for that stuff. Um, cause it's just as easy to not do any of it. Um, and so if your high of the day is that you really enjoyed your lunch or you finally had time for lunch because normally work is way too busy, then write it down cause it counts. Yeah, it no, could be that you know, somebody that gets to the gym and then you may send them home because they're, you know, their checklist was shot to shit. Um, but the fact that they went there and they put that they were having a shit day and they still got there and they were willing right. to do it. But then they went home. that still counts. They showed up.
2: Right. No, and I think that like showing up is probably 90% of this. Like, yeah. like if you don't show up, you're not, you're not getting anything done. So just show up. And even if you're just going through the motions, that's better than doing nothing
1: i made a note here something all or something versus all or nothing right and so something is always better than nothing and even if you show up and you do 20 minutes and you're like you know what that's all i got in me today that's okay
2: yeah still, it's still, better than, up. It's still better than sitting at home and just skipping it so it's, no i i agree with that it, it's, it just, I, and we're not mad at our daughter for that we just think it's funny when she's like <laughs> i had <have> lunch <laughs> And we're like, no shit, you had lunch. Like, if you're in kindergarten. You have lunch every day. And she's like, yeah, but I had lunch. I'm like, all right. And like, and then the low is like, I spilled my milk though at lunch. And then the lunch was like, but I got something else. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, what about the fact that you saw us? And she's like, mm, no, don't care. <laughs> so,
0: but that does tie into your uh, sort of philosophy in um, competition in the sense that at the end of the day, unless you're fighting for position, right, you're, or even then, like, if um, you always want to try to end on a lift that you've made, just specifically because of that buck situation, but, um, you know, if you, you would rather have an athlete hit a lift that they know they have, than try to send it and go for a lift they know they don't have, at least at the end of that competition, they know they've Hit all their numbers, and they either PR'd or did something, accomplished something, rather than ending the whole meet in a missed lift. Big, like, oh crap! I should have done something
2: else. Yeah, it, it, that's you know a a made lift with less weight is still better than a missed lift. Like the missed lift, like I said, like Bucks just remember that lift. Where if he made that lift, the next meet he would have done, he probably would have lifted 25 pounds more, but. It's just, you know, even if maybe, it's, maybe it's not the, the biggest goal that you wanted, but it's still a positive. It's ending on that positive, you know, like for anyone that's missed that third deadlift in a meet, that last lift, you go up for your last lift, you're all pumped and you miss. You think about that forever. Um, and it's weird because like as a, as a pitcher, like I had to have a short memory. Like I had to, if I threw a pitch and you hit a home run, I have to forget that immediately because I have to throw another pitch in 15 seconds. where in powerlifting you've got six months before you get to go again so you get to think about it and stew on it but yeah like i said i had to forget about it because the the next guy's coming up and if i stew about it i'm going to give up another home run because i'm going to do something stupid um so that was like i was trying to think of like if you had just any just tangible things that like you know for people that can like in the gratitude journal like you know on on like a meat day so meat day is probably you know it's super stressful like I said, we plan three to six months for this one day for everything to go right. And sometimes it does, and sometimes it goes horribly wrong. Um, and the problem is like sometimes when it goes horribly wrong, it's just because of something stupid. Um, or like a weird situation where like I we were, I was talking to Kate about this the other day, four or five years ago at Nationals, Kate got really sick at Nationals and actually ended up having a great meet like three days later. like like she it was weird like that shouldn't have happened but it did but then on the opposite end like Megan had not a great meet and then a week later like came to the gym she goes I feel good and like beat all of the goal numbers we had for the meet and I was like okay well that six months of planning I was off by six days so I screwed the whole thing up by six days and like you know and she didn't mind she was able to kind of go through and it was fine but you know it's I think And we talked to Stephanie about this and Steph a couple weeks ago, like on the podcast about different mindset stuff, like how can you go in, you know, like on meet day and how can you mentally prepare yourself? Because like we've done everything physically for months on end to get ready and then meet day happens and how, and like you said, I know it's going to be different for every person, but like what are some things that they can do that can help them kind of be in the moment and focus on the good stuff and hopefully perform as, well as they should be.
1: Well, I think, you know, I'm not gonna go into detail about this, but I know you guys remember from the last presentation I did, a lot of it is challenging the thought patterns, which I use cognitive behavioral therapy to do that with, um, you know, which is a a longer conversation. But um, I think one thing, um, I forget his name, Buck, what'd you say his name? Bucks. So in terms of that, you know, that example you're talking about, um, that ties back to the identity and just that one lift, allowing a one lift to define all of your progress and who you are um, is very derailing for someone's progress, right? And they'll usually, like you said, carry that into the next meet, um, which can be uh, just a hindrance on the progress in general, Um so working on you know, helping people uh, retrain the brain so they don't allow that one lift or one instant to define who they are and how they will approach the next competition is where the work is. Um, but you know, general things that you hear all the time, like visualizing how you want it to go, what it looks like, all that stuff you hear about um, is always very helpful. Um, But again, it comes back to that positive self-talk, knowing, you know, trusting their training, right? You know, that self-talk that, okay, I've done everything that Ryan's given me. I've stayed on track with my nutrition. I worked with the dietitian, whoever it may be. Those self, those reminders to themselves, and maybe they write that down that they've been following the program and they've done the best that they can and all they can do in the meet in the competition is the best that they can um but focusing on the positive language and the positive technique and strategy rather than these are the things I have to avoid so I don't fuck up and miss a lift which is where we get stuck because yeah. it's really easy. you already know what you don't want to do but again it's that reframe, and so I think working on the reframe all the time is important leading up to the competition so that way it becomes more natural for them to begin thinking about focusing on the things they're supposed to be doing that they've been working their butts off so they go into that with a more positive headspace but also everybody needs their own little like routine i think that they have to figure out most people you know whether it's listening to a certain uh playlist or what have you or eating a specific you know not, us athletes are all superstitious, right? So we've got our routines and our strategy, we know it works. Um, and so having a solid plan for that day, but also I think what's really important is having a plan after. And I know there's usually a rest period after a competition, um, but you know, aside from just knowing that we're taking a break from the training, it may be helpful to have a, a, play, a post-competition plan for everyone, whether they figure that out on their own, or you guys do it together in terms of mental health um, and processing, you know, you build up to a competition and then it's over. And either you did well, or you didn't either way, there's a loss after that, right? You hear that a lot, whether you beat you, you win the championship game or people after their wedding, they have this build up to their wedding and then it's over and there's sadness. It's a grieving process that comes with that. And so, you know, We don't necessarily identify it that way with athletes. It's like people get angry or, you know, whatever, and they don't actually have the insight or ability or the awareness that there's some grieving that goes along with that. And so how can we process that and, and work through it effectively to get back on track? But give yourself that space, give yourself that time to say, oh, man, all right, I worked all the way up to that competition. It's over now. Now what do I do? And so if they have that post plan, it can be helpful. So they even know that no matter what, they're going to be fine.
2: I, I mean, say unless you got more, I think that's good for today. Cause I like, I'm thinking like, I've got stuff to go do now for, post, <laughs> for post-meet stuff. All right. Um, but, uh, and like, could, normally well, I don't think about that stuff like during a podcast, but now I'm like, oh, I can do a couple things and see if I can make stuff better for the next time.
1: And obviously, I'm always available. But before we conclude, I since I had started with a quote, I can I also share one? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, I think one thing that's I think can be helpful um is just when we want people to acknowledge that maybe they could have more assistance. Um, because I, I know uh Ryan sometimes will be like, you know, these people are amazing lifters, but they're in their heads and I don't know what to do. and How do we say this gently? And I recently reposted this um, quote that I think is just helpful in general. Um, And it says, when I say, have you considered seeing a therapist? I'm not saying you're so messed up, only a professional can help you. What I'm saying is, have you considered that you're worthy of an unbiased, safe and productive opportunity to process your experiences? And it's just a reframe about seeking help. Um, You're at the gym to be trained by a professional. You can get yourself trained mentally elsewhere by a different type of professional, and that's okay.
0: Awesome. I love that. Where can people find you, either on social media professionally, if they wanted to reach out to you, set up a meeting, where
1: can they go? So on Instagram, you can find me at Stability Counseling. Facebook also. My email is Casey, k-a-c-y at stabilitycounseling.com phone number two zero three two one three seven one two five, and my website is stabilitycounseling.com it's all yeah linked up together so much
0: much stuff (laughs) we'll 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 have it in the description of the youtube video so awesome